Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth coming at you from my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Happy Memorial Day. <gasps> Did that pass already? No, it's today. happening. It's it is. Today, wow. the day that this drops, but not the day that we're recording. Yeah, see, that's why I'm questioning if it happened already, because I don't know what we're recording for. Because <laughs> every day is a holiday. <laughs> it is when, for me when we're recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So a long weekend. Probably nobody's driving to work today. Mm-hmm. So we hope that's you guys true. are at the pool or at the lake or hanging in your backyard or... Yeah, a relaxing listen today. Eating food, yeah. yeah. Cheers, cheers. That's awesome. I'm so glad it's Memorial Day. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? I've been great. How have you been? Awesome. I'm the good word from the St. Louis. The weather is warming up and um hoping that our pool will be done. Yes. So that we can start swimming. Would have been nice if it had been done for Memorial Day. Oh, it would have been fantastic if it was that's done. That's why. You're not going to celebrate a holiday until there's a pool. So yeah. you had no clue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's getting there. But it has been nice to like sit outside with, you know, neighbors and like have a beverage in the driveway or, right, right. you know, on someone's patio. And I did that the other day and... My with my neighbor across the street, we we walk every now and then, and just like randomly, are like, "Hey, I'm going outside for a glass of wine. You want to come?" Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I went over there, and she was talking about she has two kids in college and one um, in high school, and the, one of the college kids is graduating, so and one's a freshman, so they were like, you know, and over the next couple of weeks, coming home and whatnot, and so they're moving their one that's graduating out of the house that they've been living in for I don't know how many years and she's like Christy you have no idea how disgusting this house is oh like she's like we don't even want to like go in the house when we go visit like we don't stay there but we don't even want to like step foot in it it stinks like everything it's just all over the place they're boys and it was gross when they moved in like the landlord kind of doesn't take care of it very well and doesn't really do much because he's renting it to a bunch of college kids and whatnot. So anyway, um, her husband comes out at this point and he's like, I got, you know, she's like, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about his house. But he's like, oh my gosh, let me tell you. She's like, he's like, I was in the kitchen last time we were there, which was just a couple weeks ago. And I see um, what looks like ketchup all over the like wall in the kitchen. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what happened here? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And they were like, okay, so here's this golf club that they have with a hammer taped to the top of it because they have rats. No. Mm-mm. 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 It wasn't ketchup, was it? (laughs) Wasn't that ketchup? It was like a crime scene because they just, like, start wailing on them when they see them. No, they don't. No. Oh, and then what happens? And then they're like, look at all that ketchup-y stuff on the wall. We're just going to leave that right there? Well, that's perplexing in itself. Like, why did you not wipe it You're never getting married. Come on. Come on. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> so fun. It was I I've not laughed that hard. It was hilarious. And of course the like there's like text strings with the moms going around like we need to hire a cleaning lady to clean that place up when they leave and my neighbor's like I'm not paying for a cleaning lady. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Like if y'all want to need to you wear can do a it. Hazmat suit. I'm not Ooh. doing it. <laughs> there are better yeah. ways, boys. There are better ways. I honest and they're graduating college. You said, right? And so they're like 21, 22. I think I would bring my kid back home and be like, you're not going anywhere. You need to prove that you can be a normal human being. This is not adulting. You don't hit rats on the head with a golf club with a hammer and leave the stuff all over the place. Right. Oh, no, boys. No. Another funny part of this story, because I got permission to tell that part. I didn't get permission to tell this part. So Gretchen, sorry if I am not allowed to tell this part. (laughs) But... um. I've been seeing clothes like hanging outside in their driveway and I thought they were like getting ready for a garage sale or something. And she's like, no, I have to air his clothes out because I've washed them. I don't know how many times and they still stink and I need to leave them out. Oh my gosh. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not having a college kid. Mm -mm. Nope. You're not coming back. (laughs) So, so funny. It's It's amazing how we lower our standards so much for our children. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. We're constantly compromising hygiene and <laughs> cleanliness and olfactories <laughs> yeah. for our kids. My goodness. No. I would have I would have like died to like see that and just take a picture and be like crime scene. Oh you know they <laughs> took a picture. They didn't? No. I don't well I don't know. I don't know. They didn't show me a picture. So I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I think they were just like we gotta get out of here now. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Mount peace. Dead things live here. We gotta go. <laughs> so anyway. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I have a story for you. If you're ready. Yep, I'm ready. So this case was a suggestion that came in last year in twenty twenty. Oh. Zero of our Lord. Yes. (laughs) By a listener named Emily. And Emily, I could not find where you reached out to us, what platform. I don't know if you emailed us or sent us a message on Instagram or what. I couldn't find it, but I did write your name down and when you suggested the case. And here it is. Normally, I like to reach out to people when we're about to cover the case, but I couldn't find you, Emily. So I apologize if you are listening. Please reach out and tell us what you think. Hopefully she didn't stop listening and like unfriended us. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I just couldn't find it. I guess the email got deleted or whatever. Okay. So this is a very small case. It's not well known at all, which was really interesting to me. So there's limited information on it, but oh my goodness, is it bananas? It is bananas. All right. So this is the story of Scott and Tracy Rohde. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Scott Edward Rohde was born in 1968 in Fort Mason, Iowa. Very small town. Did you know that Iowa is known as the pig state? Did you have any idea? It's so weird to me too, but it was in the research. It has the most pigs of any state in the whole entire nation. And it is the country's top port produce production. Do they do a census on pigs to know that? I mean, (laughs) they would have had to, (laughs) according to Google. When 
At Scott was in high school, he started dating a beautiful blonde girl by the name of Tracy. Tracy Lynn was born in 1970, so she was a couple years younger than Scott, also in this small, same small town, and the two of them both went to Fort Madison High School where they began dating. They were deeply in love and dated all through their high school days. And in 1990, a couple years after Tracy graduated from high school, the two of them got married. Hmm. So they were small town high school sweethearts, which is really cute. Do you ever think about what would happen if you married your high school boyfriend? <laughs> I I have to say no. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I dated somebody for like two years or something. And I yeah. But, uh, would we still be true crime podcasters? I don't know. You never know. Probably not. I'd still be in New York, probably. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I would still be in my hometown, too. After Scott and Tracy got married, they went on to have three sons very close together, back-to-back, -back, one in 1992, another one in 1993, and then another one in 1995. So super close kiddos. Scott put himself through college during this time and became an engineer. Very cool. And Tracy went on to get her nursing license and specialized in labor and delivery. Hmm. So high school sweethearts, middle class, hard workers, successful, beautiful American couple and family that seemed to be perfect from the outside. They always seem to be that way. Mm -hmm. We know that's rarely the case. And especially on this podcast, because mm -hmm. somebody's going to die. So, again, I mean, it's the story of all of them. <laughs> I know. It's just so crazy that it's like, we just, someone's going to die. Yep. Yeah. Let's this go. case, I seriously had to go back. Like, when I was researching the case, I had to go back into our all of our cases because it's so familiar, the story of this, just exactly everything that I just told you. This couple, they meet, they fall in love, they're super happy, they're very successful, very normal, beautiful. And so I had to go back and look like, have I covered her case? Because I feel like I've covered this story before and probably five times. It's just so they all start out the same. They all start out like you and I. Yeah. You true. know, it's scary. Hide in your closet. <laughs> okay. A few years in, Tracy began to notice that Scott was very jealous. He was constantly angry with her. He would accuse her constantly all the time of cheating on him and having affairs with the doctors that she was working with. Which why is, does never happening, by the way? Right. And and I have a question. Like, why does that is that something that rears its ugly head years into a relationship? Like that's such a common thing. I think it can be. I think there are things that happen over the course of a relationship that will cause people, you know, because jealousy is never about the other person. It's always about something that's happening internally in yourself that you are yeah. self-conscious about something and you put that on the person that you feel safest with or the person that is supposed to make you feel safe. You blame them mm -hmm. that you're not feeling confident and safe. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think it absolutely can come about out of nowhere. But I also think that people can also be just born with a jealous streak and they're jealous of everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. In this case, she says it came on years in. Mm -hmm. So he would become obsessed about where she was and what she was doing and who she was with. And friends reported that Scott acted like Tracy was a possession of his, that he just wanted to control rather than his wife or his partner. So her friend, they know, I mean, this is becoming something that's being noticed outside of just their marriage. Friends are noticing this as well. 
One night in particular, Tracy was delivering a baby pretty late at the hospital. And when she got home, which is late at night, no one was there. Her kids were not there. Scott was not there. Her house was empty. So she starts freaking out, right? Because she's like, where, where is my family? Something has happened. So she's calling around to local emergency rooms and hospitals to see if she can find them, to find her kids. And then the garage door opens and she runs out and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so, is everybody okay? And Scott just jumps out of the car and starts yelling at her, calling her a whore. Where the hell have you been? And he tells her that he took the boys to go look for her so that they could see what a tramp they had for a mom. What? Yes. Wait, hold on. How old are these children again? Young. They're very young at this point. I mean, under 10. Like, they're little. I'm sorry. Even if you think your wife's a tramp, you don't get pull your children into that. It's a, mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. no in the but middle also, of the night? Yeah. Also, your wife has never given you reason to think she's a tramp. Go. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Scott, that made me angry. It made your me team angry. Scott. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, he also would complain a lot that he was being sabotaged at work by his coworkers, saying that like his coworkers were against him and they were sabotaging him. So honestly, at this point in his life, it seems like he is just a paranoid person. Like there's there's some things, yeah, there's some things going on. So this paranoia got so extreme that Scott moved the family five different times in 13 years. Five times in 13 years, either to get away from nasty co-workers that he felt like were against him or to get Tracy away from men that he thought she was cheating on him with. Well, we moved probably that much. So you think there's... Not for that reason. (laughs) He was just trying to find his pants. No. (laughs) Anyway. Yes. So they lived in Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas, and finally ended up in Brownsville, Texas. Because you know all the crazies go to Texas. I know. Texas, here you go. (laughs) Or Florida. So now things are pretty bad in the marriage, and Tracy is lonely. She's far away from her family and her friends, starting over in a new town yet again with these three boys. But it was in Texas that Tracy really does meet someone. So this Mm -hmm. is 2003, and she befriends a man from work by the name of Sean. Sean, according to Tracy, is just a companion. He was very nice to her. He would listen to her. They became friends, good friends, and he seemed to care for her and care about her happiness. And the two of them had only met up a couple of times in the parking lot at work just to talk. They... There was nothing sexual. There was no naked business. Mm -hmm. But she does report that they shared some passionate kissing. I'm quoting this. Passionate kissing. Well, not that I 100% agree with this, but it's not a shock when you're being treated like that for how long that you would eventually end up going into the arms of someone else, essentially. (laughs) Right. Not surprising. So one evening, Scott starts in on his you're a trampy whore and you're cheating on me business like he does. And Tracy blurts out, you know what? I did meet someone. I do have a friend and I like him and he's nice to me and you suck. Good for her. And Scott says, quote, you have no idea what you've just done. So Scott, he's really mad, really Mm -hmm. mad because now he's been fearing this forever that Tracy was going to meet someone. So he hires a divorce attorney. 
And this is October of 2003. And he is talking to this divorce attorney. They come up with a plan and he brings Tracy in to the divorce attorney's office and he tells her, I'm filing for divorce. I want full custody of our three boys who at the time were seven, nine, and 11. And he tells her, so they're young. He mm-hmm. tells her, you're only going to be allowed visitation. And if you try to fight me, I'm going to use this Sean guy as leverage against you as to why you are not a fit parent. So I'm coming after you. You're, you know, I'm cutting you off. We're done. Mm-hmm. So Tracy is very blindsided by this, right? Because she says, I've done nothing wrong. I am not having a sexual relationship with this guy. I'm a good mom. You're a crazy person and I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm a good mom. You can't do this to me, right? So based on what we know right now, who do you think the victim is? Well, now you threw me for a loop, but I would say that it would be Tracy, like, like he's going to do something to her because he's pissed about it. But now I'm feeling like it might be the opposite. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about who it is right after this break. So here we are in 2003 in Brownsville, Texas. Picture it. Picture it. Brownsville, Texas, 2003. The couple has been married for 20 years. They're living with their three boys. They're in their early to mid-30s. Scott is controlling and jealous. Tracy has just admitted to having an emotional affair, essentially, with a co-worker. And Scott, in anger, has hired a divorce attorney and told Tracy that he wants full custody of the children, to which Tracy said, I'm going to fight you. So on the morning of October 15th, 2003... A 911 call comes in. The caller is Tracy Rohde. And she says that her husband has shot himself in the head. Mm-hmm. Police come to the Rohde home and they find Scott alive in the couple's bed with a gunshot wound to the side of his head. Scott is immediately taken to the hospital. And pretty quickly after he gets there, he is placed on life support. And by that afternoon, it is clear that he is brain dead, life support is removed, and Scott Rohde passes away at the age of 35. Oh, wow. So initially, this incident was thought to have been a suicide. Scott was laying in the couple's bed with a gunshot wound to the head and a pistol in his hands. Tracy had reported it as being a self-inflicted gunshot wound right out of the gate when she called 911. She reports that the day before, the couple had gone to the divorce attorney's office. They had both left very upset, and they had come home, and Tracy had tried to discuss the custody issues with the three sons that the couple was fighting about, and that after a few minutes of discussing why it would be terrible to punish these three boys with a nasty custody battle, and that it was a bad idea, they had come to the agreement that they would try for joint custody. So this had made Tracy happy. But then a few minutes later, Scott had all of a sudden became very enraged. He The, the thought of actually getting a divorce and that that was actually going to happen now had started to sink in. And the thought of Tracy moving on with this coworker friend of hers, Sean, just enraged him. He grabbed a baseball bat and was demanding that Tracy tell him where Sean lived. But she didn't know where Sean lived because she'd never been to his house before. They had only sat in the parking lot a few times. Scott thought she was lying. He grabbed her by her throat. He threatened to knock the crap out of her. 
And she got away and she's hysterical and she's like packing a suitcase. She's packing her stuff. She's out of there. She's going to leave. Scott starts crying and apologizing to her. And he tells her that he loves her and that she's everything to him. Her and the children are his family and they mean so much to him. Please don't leave. I'm so sorry. So they calmed down a little bit and they decided we're exhausted. That whole thing was exhausting. We're going to go to bed. The next morning early, Tracy gets up and she goes for a walk, which is a normal routine for her. She walks two miles and then she comes home and she gets in the shower. She's taking a shower. She gets out. And as she gets out of the shower, she hears like a moaning sound coming from their bedroom, which is very weird. And she's like, you okay, Scott? And he's not answering her. So she goes in and she realizes it is indeed coming from Scott. So she like touches his leg and she's like, hey, you okay? He didn't respond to her. And he kind of had like a pillow covering the majority of his face. So she moves the pillow, and when she moves the pillow, that's when she sees the gunshot wound to his head and the gun laying in the bed. She freaks out immediately, calls 911, and then she went and got her kids and woke her kids up and took them outside because she didn't want them to run in the bedroom, see their dad like that. She didn't want them to be in the way of everything that was going on. So they went outside and they waited for emergency personnel. Now, when the emergency person, do you have a question about that? You're squinting your ass. You got something to say. <laughs> um, the kids did not wake up to a gunshot going off in their house. Nope. They reported hearing nothing. They were very little, but no. So when they came, the emergency personnel, Scott was still breathing. So they did what they could at the scene, but very quickly just rushed and hustled him up and took him to the hospital where we later know that he passed away. Police say that pretty quickly this case went from what looked like a suicide to what looked like a homicide, and they immediately suspected Tracy. They find out about the emotional affair. They find out about the divorce attorney. They find out about custody issues. They see all of this as motive, and they think that Tracy killed Scott to get away from all of it or just in cold blood. They question why Tracy, a nurse, does not try to help her husband while he's laying there dying. She instead calls 911, grabs her kids, and runs outside. Tracy also, after they had come, like the emergency personnel come and they took him to the hospital, she called in to work and tells them that she's not going to be in that day, which I agree can be seen as her making calm decisions when she probably shouldn't be calm. But there's also a strong argument, I think, to be made not to judge somebody by how they react in an emergency situation. Like we talk about this a lot. There's no right way. And we surprise ourselves even. Like we'll think, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. And then it happens and you don't do that at all. Yeah. I recently had a conversation with Emery about the same thing because I said something like, he was emotionless. And he was like, you know, we can't, we got to stop saying stuff like that because you it's don't true. know how you're going to be in that moment, in the moment that something like that is going on, whatever. Like you just, you have no idea. People react completely differently. Right. Exactly. So I just don't know that there's a way, like you said, we just can't, I mean, can we judge them on that? Yes. But are those judgments ever valid or accurate? Probably not. Like they're, mm. they're probably not. So Tracy claims that she and the kids were all Scott had. And that in the days and weeks leading up to his death, that he had become very depressed and withdrawn at the thought of 
losing her and his family and the life that he had dreamed of all these years and the meeting at the divorce attorney's office that day before had like pushed him over the edge. It was made it real. And that she thinks that's what happened. But the police are like, well, Schneike Tracy, you were a murderer. So by this time, the crime scene had been totally just compromised. Because remember, before it was a crime scene, it was an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. So things got moved. Things got dramatically moved, touched, rustled around, um, smeared, all kinds of things. So there was really no way for them to know what things look like before all of that happened, before they had come in. I mean – Maybe the very first first responder that came in could probably testify to that, but probably not because they came running in trying to help a man who was still alive but mortally wounded. Right, but wouldn't that happen in any crime scene situation? Like if, if the person is still alive, they're not going to care about what's happening. Like their goal is to save this person. So That's that would exactly be – right. Yeah, no, it's not it's – not, they yeah, didn't do anything not wrong. Right, it's yeah. Just, that's the way it is. We can't they say really what able- happened. To account for it, though, like, oh, the this guy got on here, so he must have moved that pillow. This pillow must have been, you know, something like that, you know. To a point, I think that's true. But um, the details of this get so minute that it, it really matters. So yeah. they have their work cut out for them, right, mm-hmm. to try and piece together this, what they're saying now is a homicide. Now, 10 days after Scott's death, 10 days, police find out that Tracy meets up with her friend Sean at a hotel. She says that they went to talk, but, I mean, it's a hotel. You can talk on the phone. Yeah, y'all been talking in cars for a long time. Why don't you just do that? Yeah, I mean, we know why are you, you're there, Tracy. Like, that's cute and we get it. But this is a, it's, you know. So this adds to the police theory of her motive, right? We were right. She wanted to have an affair with this man. She wanted to have a relationship. This investigation ends up taking two years. Two years. During those two years, Tracy is dating Sean, the co-worker, which is not a good look. You know, it doesn't look great. And then in August of 2005, Tracy is arrested for the murder, first-degree murder of her husband, Scott. She bails out of jail and is awaiting trial, which doesn't start until 2007. The prosecution, yes, the prosecution alleges that Tracy, upset about the divorce, custody issues with Scott, ready to move on with another man, shoots Scott in his sleep with the pillow covering his face to prevent herself from getting anything on her. Police claim that there was no blood on Scott's hands, which would have been present had he shot himself Mm -hmm. from like blowback but that there was blood on the gun. So it's very weird that there's blood on the gun, but no blood on Scott's hands. They weren't able to test his hands for gunshot residue because by the time that they attempted to at the hospital, his hands had already been cleaned enough to where it wouldn't, the particles wouldn't have showed up. Hmm. But so like if the gunshot residue was cleaned off, couldn't the blood have also been cleaned off? Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They also claim that there was a pool of blood. This actually becomes one of the biggest things in her, in the prosecution's case. So beside the bed, there's this giant pool of blood. 
And in the pool of blood, there's like a clean mark that's kind of like cut through the side a little bit. It's noticeable that they claim is where the gun was sitting. So they claim that Tracy had shot Scott and then dropped the gun onto the floor and then later picked it up and placed it in his hands. But so there was, was that n- much blood on the gun, though, that would there say that it a fell huge in a amount. pool of blood? No, no, no. They weren't saying it fell in the pool because she shot him and then immediately dropped it and then the blood begins to pool. Oh, so, and, okay. So it was like sitting there and preventing the blood from going in that spot for a little bit. Exactly. Okay. And there's like an indention in the blood, which just looks like a big Rorschach test to me. But they're they're saying there's an indention in the blood and that she had picked the gun up at some point before law enforcement and first responders had arrived and staged it to be a suicide, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they're also wondering how the pillow got on his face because that's weird. You're not going to shoot yourself in the head and then cover your head up. That seems strange. Um, there's also some uh, police that had reported to the scene that say – shortly after they had gotten there, that Tracy was washing her hands. Which she claims that she was doing because they were covered in blood and it was freaking her out and freaking her kids out. I don't know why they were covered in blood, though, because she didn't try to help her husband, so that's weird. Right, because she tapped his leg or whatever. you Which know, like to- had no blood on it. So they question her about that as well. Why doesn't she try to help her husband medically? And she basically said, well, he was breathing. He was breathing. He didn't need CPR. That was the only thing that I could have done was give him CPR, and he didn't need it because he was breathing. So I just called 911 and waited for first responders and took care of my kids. Right. Valid. I mean, you know, it's fair. She could have, like, covered the wound or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would have left my husband there. I would have shooed my kids outside for sure, but I don't think I would have left. Right. He was still alive. It's just, I don't. But again, we don't know what we would do. Mm Mm-hmm. So the defense claims that they have no evidence uh, evidence against Tracy, that everything had been moved. They can't say where the gun was. They can't say where it wasn't. The pillow probably was moved. You know, the whole bed, for goodness sake, could have been moved across the room. And they would have no idea of knowing because in an emergency situation, nobody was paying attention and nobody really knew where anyone anything was. It was just chaos, right? Tracy had no gunshot residue on her hands. Her fingerprints were not on the gun, but Scott's were. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting. So the trial lasts three weeks. And in the end, the jury comes back that Tracy is guilty of the first-degree murder of her husband, Scott. So she was immediately taken to prison. The jury then has the decision of her sentencing, Mm -hmm. right? So this is Texas. The prosecution is seeking life in prison for her. They held a trial for the sentencing and her family and Scott's family all testify in the trial and they actually had their three young children, the three boys, testify in the trial. Oh my goodness. After three days, three days after she was convicted of first degree murder, the jury came back with a sentence that would shock the Texas justice system as we know it. Shut up. They sentenced Tracy to 10 years of probation. <gasps> no jail time for Tracy. None. What? What's the reason? Why? 
Why? They claim that the sentencing decision was based on the testimony of the three boys stating that they did not want to lose both of their parents. So I hope those three boys are in sales because they convinced this jury to give 10 years of probation to a person they had just convicted of first-degree murder. Cold blood. Oh, my God. Shocking. So Tracy was told that she could not leave the county and that she had an 8 p.m. curfew until 2017. And she had to pay a $10,000 fine, respectively. So this was unprecedented in Texas, which we know to be mm-hmm. one of, if not the harshest state for criminal punishment, probably. I mean, you get the death penalty in Texas and then you die. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a harsh state. It's never been done before. It's never been done since. First degree murder. Here's your probation and your little curfew. So as of now, 2021, Tracy is 50 years old and living her life totally free. She is no longer on probation. She was originally fired from her job as a nurse, but was later given her job back. I'm not sure what she is doing now, but she is not serving her time as a murderer. And she is still talking about appealing this because she doesn't want to be a convicted murderer because she's is she still with Sean. No, they <laughs> broke up. <laughs> they broke up around the time she got arrested. He was like, well, I mean, it okay, wouldn't have been a shock. <laughs> they were together. I mean, nothing, everything is shocking me in this one. So if he had yeah. stuck by her side and stayed with her, I would have been surprised. Well, he didn't. He ran. So she spent three days in jail. Oh, the three days from the time she was convicted and they took her to prison. And then three days later, she was released on probation for the first degree murder of her husband. I feel like we have a consistent justice system. Oh, yes. Well, yes. Am I the first one to mention this? (laughs) (laughs) You do. You think so. We should write somebody about that. Um. I think it's interesting to think about in situations like this that we we don't have a justice system. We have a legal system that is flawed. But there's no justice. Period. For even if she had gone to prison for life, these boys would have lost both their parents. I'm not saying that would have been worse. I don't know what I don't know what happened here. But there's no justice in any of it, really. Not really. So yeah. But yeah, this was messed up. (laughs) And it's interesting because I'm researching this case and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so run of the mill. It's this happy couple. And then somebody gets mad and, you know, things turn ugly and money gets involved or cheating gets involved or whatever. And one of them kills the other one and then they go to prison and it's really sad for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But that is not what happened here. This is bananas. (laughs) Yeah. And I had this question earlier and I didn't ask it um, because I, I don't know why I didn't ask it. I'm not going to make an excuse. Um, when they were in court, there was no like evidence of his verbal abuse and whatnot, right? Like the only evidence that I know that – so they you there's no recordings of this court. They would not allow video or audio recording of the trial. So I wasn't able to watch any of it. But from the things that I read transcript-wise, they had testimony from 
their friends and family members um, that this was something that was definitely going on. Had been there were coworkers of um, Scotts that testified that he was kind of paranoid and he thought everybody was after him, and then a lot of family members and friends that testified to the fact that yeah he he thought she was constantly cheating on him. He was very mean to her. He controlled but her. But she had never filed anything officially with police. Like Correct. It, no. It like a, so it wasn't like that was brought up um, in an official capacity in the trial that would make a jury be like, well, she shouldn't go to jail because it was probably self-defense. In gen- I mean, it was first degree, clearly. but Possibly. Um, that yeah. possibly could have swayed them one way or the other. I, I would imagine it probably did. But I I just would imagine that it would have to be some sort of official capacity, not just like, oh, these people testified that this happened. I feel like there's been a paper trail from somewhere. Yep. No, nothing that I know of. I don't think that he had ever been, um, other than what had happened the night before that she reports, it's just her word that's saying that he attacked her and came at her and grabbed her throat and all that stuff. Um, He had never been physically abusive towards her. Mm -hmm. He had never harmed her before that time. So, like, put his right. hands on her. Right. Okay. Well, it's wild. Yeah. That is the story of Scott and Tracy Rohde. Thanks, wow. Emily. Reach out. Yeah. Find us again where you are. Can, right. I know. Because that was, that was, it was good. It was, it was like, I wish everybody could see my eyes. Like, we record over video <laughs> the entire time. I'm just like bugging out, like, what? What? That happened. <laughs> yeah, Are you, you really have to hold out the story to the very end to get to the. Yeah, end. it's really, Gosh. really in that sentencing verdict that it's- our listeners have some really great suggestions. They do. You're absolutely right. I feel like better than we would have just found random. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Because I can tell you right now, had I just looked up this story, f- fifteen minutes in, I would have got bored. This happens, you know, like not that it's boring. I mean, it's a story. It's worth covering. Obviously, it's a life. It's a family. But it's, you know, we try not to do the same thing over and over again. And right. it really sounds like something that we do. Yeah. And, and you don't again. Deep, deep dive to find a case. You're just like, oh, hey, let me skim some stuff. To- exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I'm really glad that this one was brought to our attention because I don't think we're ever going to hear about this again happening. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. Thank you. Emily. And thank you all of the listeners that send us stuff. Cause seriously, it's, they're definitely, I feel like you got, y'all should be the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe you don't have time to do it. So yeah, just keep sending it to us. <laughs> they're definitely the sleuths for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So we appreciate you all and, you know, keep them coming. I know people are like, you're constantly asking, but that's because y'all send us some great stuff and it ends up being interesting, an interesting show. So keep it coming. Um, and as usual, find us on all the social medias so that you can see this crazy lady. <laughs> you have pictures of the kids too? Probably not. Uh, I'm not going to post pictures of the kids, but um, yeah, there's some. Yeah. Okay. Well, so if you want to see those, you'll have to search yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won't. And they're not hard to find, but <laughs> right. Yeah. So check the social. Beth will be posting everything. And um, again, keep sending in those those case suggestions. Reach out to us. Just write us to say hi. We like to hear from you. We love it. It's fun. <laughs> um, and check out our merch page, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And just always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets. <laughs>